0: Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talent and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground. There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization.
1: Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world.
0: Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone, to Brandology episode. Uh, I'm your host, David Morrow, and co-host Mark Mosher is in the studio today. How are you, Mark?
1: I'm doing well, Dave. Thank you.
0: Good. You are not reporting from our mobile uh, office. I'm not in the. I'm not in the mobile studio,
1: studio this time. No. no I last
0: am, uh, uh, last week, I believe you were at a mobile studio on a golf course in Indianapolis, and I was extremely jealous. It was like all
1: for stuff. charity. It was all about the children.
0: It's all about the kids. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Always, always. So uh, today's special guest is Gabrielle Gonzalez. Did I say your name right? Yes. Thank uh, you. Welcome, Gabrielle. How are you?
2: Thanks. Uh, well, uh, thanks for having me very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you guys today, and I'm great. Thanks.
0: Great. Excellent. And you uh, reside also in the
2: Indianapolis area, too. I do. I, uh, I'm actually in Noblesville, so just right outside of, right outside of Indianapolis. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Right there, that's, yeah. yeah, that's
0: kind of uh, right where uh, we're located as well. Uh, that's where our world studios are, as you can see behind me. Um, and then uh, Mark is located in Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. So um, let's start from the top. So, Gabriel, can you just introduce yourself to the listeners? Tell us what it is that, uh, that you do and kind of why you do it.
2: Well, yeah, sure. Um, well, I am, firstly, I'm a mom of boys. Uh, that's, that's who I am.
0: I've seen <laughs> that. I've got, There's I've full time that with over them. Yeah, I've seen that <laughs> I, stated, and that, that does say something. Cause I'm the dad. Yeah, the I've old. got a bunch of boys at
2: home. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's mine and their friends, or you know everybody, and I also have a dog and a cat too. So um, I've got all of that. Um, my company is Gabrielle Gonzalez and Associates, and I help I help um, other companies improve their performance through a customer centric approach to business. And I do this through, you know, involving a spectrum of services like operational assessment and advice, development of a CX strategy and supporting processes and key metrics, or presentation of my library of customer experience training content. Really, the key is for me to help teams understand how critical the customer experience is in their overall effectiveness and profitability. So... Um, that's who I am and, and what I do.
0: Okay. So I want to challenge you on something just for fun. And that is when you say customer centric, right? You, do you mean that is the customer more more important than the employee? Or do you mean you're focused on the customer experience?
2: You know what, David, that's a great question. And I'm really glad that you asked that because I'm a huge
0: Simon Sinek fan and avid reader, and so you know where I'm going with this.
2: Yeah. Um, well, I don't know where you're going exactly, but I, 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 I'm mark. a huge so, Simon Sinek fan myself.
0: Right, good.
2: Um, But so one of the first things that I did years ago uh, when I sort of was transitioning into an executive leadership role was to redefine who the customer really is, right? It's... Um, mm-hmm who is the customer? Is it our end user? Is it our employees? Is it our contractors, our vendors that we're working with? And the way that I redefined that was that it's really all three of those things and they all have equal, they all hold equal relevance and importance. So when I'm talking about a customer centric approach, I'm incorporating all three of those customer segments into that, into that space.
0: Okay. So that's interesting. So now where I was going is this, Simonson, Sinek, A. Brown, um, um, there are several others, and I'm just forgetting because it's a Friday afternoon. It's been a long week. (laughs) Um, Most of them feel that we can't focus on the customer if we don't focus first on the employees. Mm -hmm. So a healthy customer, and Mark and I believe this philosophically, that's part of the reason why we work at All Covered at our company, because our, our culture is very healthy. And so we focus on, like, I asked Mark to do a million things, to go way above and beyond his job description. But I focus on Mark first. I make sure he gets what he needs. I make sure his health is okay, his mental health is okay, his, his family is okay, and everything else. If he's struggling, I find out what's going on. I give him the leeway to get better, whatever it is then I ask him to bust his butt, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't put the customer over our employees. I don't Mm -hmm. judge it on a spreadsheet. And since I started doing that, the production, the productivity has exponentially grown. Mm -hmm. It's weird. You'd think if we just focused on productivity and we say, look, you know, your numbers are down three quarters in a row. If you don't get them up, don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. How does that motivate somebody to come into work Monday morning? As opposed to your numbers have down nine weeks in a row. What's wrong? Mm-hmm. Is there anything What's I can on? do? What's going on? Do you need time off? Do you need, are there issues at home? What can we help you do so that we can all achieve what we all want to achieve? There's trust in the latter version of and now I think what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, and that's the only reason I'm challenging you, because it's fun to challenge somebody right off the bat, is, is that you're really focused on customer experience, which is what we do, which is why I think we're a great company. And that is when we think of what All cover does and what Conica Mineralty does, we sit in the seat of the customer and we say, from the moment I have IT issues or security issues, whatever whatever it is, whatever, Whatever the service is, doesn't matter what we do, what anybody does. From the moment we need the company, what's the experience like? Do I pick up the phone? Do I use chat? Do I use email? How long does it take? Are they courteous when they're speaking with me? Are they timely? Are they effective? Do I have to wait in some phone tree like it's Comcast? No offense to Comcast. Please contact my lawyers. You know, I, I just mean like what is the, is that kind of what your focus is? Cause that, I love that.
2: Well yeah, you know, you said a few inter- really interesting things that I, I really connect with and align with in that. And, you know, it made me, it makes me really think about, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a Gen Xer yeah. for most of my
0: <laughs> professional. So is, Mark. so is Mark. I'm like a Gen Z or a millennial. Cause I'm so young.
2: Okay. okay. No, I'm, older than, right. I'm
0: older than everybody that we've had on this podcast. Uh. I'm older than everybody, so it's okay. I just Fair. I'm extremely immature for my age, so it's okay. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry.
2: So you know, so you can probably relate too with the fact that most of my professional life, people have reinforced this really hardline distinction between personal and professional Absolutely. conduct, right? Absolutely. Like that's this is just business. You know, you hear people say a lot. You know, just it's, it's not.
0: It's not personal. It's situational. Yeah, Don't you worry, don't you worry. It's not personal, but by the way, you have to go home and tell your family of six that you're out of a job. It's not personal, but go home and do it. It's
2: just business.
0: It's it's just business. You're a great person. Go tell your spouse and your kids that you're out of work. It's very personal. The bottom line is it's very personal. Hey everyone, the Brandology team has a special coming soon and it's the rise and fall of an iconic international social media platform. At its peak, The website was valued at over $12 billion and had 75,000 new users every day. But within a few short years, it was liquidated and sold for pennies on the dollar. What went wrong? What caused this huge brand to fizzle? It was launched in 2004 and was acquired just a year later for over a half a billion dollars from Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. In fact, for the next three years, it was the largest social media site in the world. In 2006, it surpassed Google as the most visited site in the United States. So where in the world is it? Why is your new band's music not on it? Why do you not have an account on it anymore? Why even is this ridiculous podcast not hosted on it? What happened? Come listen as we explore In this next series, the rise and fall of the iconic social media platform, Myspace.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the bottom line, you know, goes to, I mean, I believe that conduct reflects integrity, right? Mm -hmm. And integrity can be measured, at least in part, by the way that you treat others. Mm -hmm. So if we're all looking for ways to sort of make a positive impact on those with whom we interact then the world would be a happier place right <laughs> so with like it with that in mind and that that con- it, it, with that all of that in mind i think the contrast between personal and professional really should be slight if that makes any sense yeah. and that's yeah. where my focus on customer experience is really rooted you know that's kind of what drives what what i I do. I've I've always sort of just bucked that that hard line distinction between personal and professional, and I've always said, why can't we why why can't we you know find something that um, an employee or a team member like something that they love and thrive in, and why can't we leverage that you know in the workplace And, and. Make So they're having – it's not like i go got to grind, you know, nine to five every day and then I can go home and finally relax. But right. You know, can't go home and relax. Why can't we integrate both of those things? And I don't really like the word work-life balance either because it's – Exactly. That's I like that. Yeah. That's
0: what you're getting to because there is no work-life balance. It's
2: with Yeah, these, it's
0: just – With these life. phones, there <laughs> is no such thing. And I think that that is a challenge that we have with spouses. I think – Male workers that I know who have spouses that don't work for a living have found it very difficult to explain to them, look, there is no work-life balance anymore. They can reach me at 10 o'clock at night. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't reach me at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday. If you need something at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, we now have the ability to do that. And so long as we do that, please understand that at 10 o'clock at night, if they need me, I have to pay attention to them, too. Now, there has to be a balance in the sense that work can't be more important than family. I mean, I guess it depends on your virtues or your values, but obviously, most people with traditional Midwestern values view family above work, as I do. But mm-hmm. if you talk to my family, they would think that all I do is work, when in reality, half the time I spend is on family, right? It's 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 all a balance, right? So how do you address that and how do you develop that in in the clients that you serve?
2: Well, you know, one of the first things that I do before I um, engage in any sort of business advising contracts is I want to talk to the CEO and make sure <laughs> that um, that philosophy is held at the top of the organization um, because ultimately, if it is not, then I'm going to be bumping up against that that bumping up against a wall there. Yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the first things that I I always do is make sure that the CEO is bought into this this philosophy of and, and definition of what customer really is. And that's really important. That's the first place I like to start.
1: I'm curious with um with the onset of, you know, as as we're coming through COVID, um, obviously that's changed the customer experience in all type of new ways that nobody ever, you know, really even understood to this point. Has that changed your business, your model, or kind of your go-to-market? How, what's that look like for you guys?
2: Um, you know, Mark, that's really, it's interesting that you ask that question because I actually started my business um, during COVID. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know. um, I, you know, a lot of people said, "Gabrielle, that's crazy. Don't do that." And I said, "You know what? Um, if not now, when? Right? So let's that's let's do this." And frankly, um, that came about because I was making, wanting to make a job shift, and had talked to a variety of companies about executive level positions. Um, and I say a variety, a handful, let's say, of companies about executive level level positions to. Have, help them uh drive performance and and that sort of thing and then a couple of those um conversations that had been really had a lot of good momentum and stuff sort of slowed down with COVID on the horizon and I started thinking you know gosh they sort of said well you know maybe let's re-engage in the fall but in the meantime I kept those communication lines open I was talking and saying you know you guys have got some gaps and they would call me back and say, gosh, you know, we've got, we're experiencing some of these challenges with COVID. What, what would you recommend? And You know, would you be willing to work with us and just help us map this out or map that out? And, um, I sort of just thought to myself, you know what, this uh, helps me achieve that overall sort of, um, work environment that I thrive in anyway. Let me leverage my 25 plus years of of doing this and the relationships that I have. And let me me just go for it. So I started this business during the COVID period of time. So, um, which a lot of people again said was crazy, but here I am, I'm doing well and loving it.
0: Whenever they say it's crazy, whenever somebody says it's crazy, that's usually when I... That's when it's time to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's right? Usually, that's usually when I see the void, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering with um,
1: with your vast experience, with everything you've done, is there like a single event in the past or a person in the past that's really kind of influenced you or kind of put you in this direction? <laughs> but if not, now. that's okay. You've just you've had this internal drive forever, maybe, and that's what's what's brought you to where you are today.
2: Well, you know, um, it's so interesting because um, I have always had that internal drive, and really, what I like to do is I love to be able to um, come in, help people out, troubleshoot. I like to fix. You know, I like to help people okay. either take something that's good and make it fantastic we come in where people are struggling and come in with a fresh set of eyes and strategies and help them fix it. Um, I get a lot of, I feel really rewarded when I'm able to do that. And, um, you know, years and years ago, I did the same thing. I also had a consulting and business advising speaking mm-hmm. company uh, then as well, and really enjoyed enjoyed that. So I I, I don't know what that one single thing Thing
1: would be now and I ask that because I really get a, um, a real variance in responses because some people are yes it was my mother since the age of five has inspired right. me to do this or I had this traumatic life event at the age of 12 and I knew this is what my destiny was or some people say you know what I've just had a drive to do something and we kind of I found this and it found me and this is what I'm doing and I'm enjoying it and doing it well and I think maybe that's where you fall
2: in yeah. And I think, you know, COVID, I, I mean, was uh, probably a catalyst and all of that as well. It's just, you know, it's it's a, it's a, a move out of, somewhat out of, um, it's an opportunistic um, catalyst is what it was. You know, COVID comes, other conversations slow down. You know what? Why, why not just do this for myself? I don't need to go do this for someone else. I'll do it for me. Um and, and that's really what what drove it. That's what size,
0: what size or what type of business do your clients usually constitute? Is it small to mid-sized businesses? Is it executives of uh, Fortune 500? Is it um, startups? Like what, what, what are your what's your target?
2: Well, my target um, is pr- I primarily work with mul- uh, multifamily. Developers, uh, managers, um, but also do work with sales organizations and other retail um, types of business. Oh, okay. so um, I've done independently owned smaller shops. I've also uh, got clients who are, you know, managing ten to twenty thousand multifamily units. Uh, so. You know, I work and I do different things for different folks. I have a whole library of customer experience training content that I can do just one off or in a progressive series. You know, to be utilized for companies as part of a tra- ongoing training strategy. Um, or I can go in and help. You know, really take a look at things from the inside out and help them um, develop a customer experience strategy. Uh, that could be either a short or generally long- longer-term strategy, and then help plug in uh, throughout that process at th- different intervals to help make sure that that they're achieving the key metrics and so forth that they're looking for. So,
0: when you say multi-family, what do you mean? Can you just explain for the listeners? Like what? You mean? Sure,
2: absolutely. So, like, multi-family is like, um, basement, base-
0: like apartment complexes, like the massive, like golf course communities type thing,
2: or. Well, yeah. Depending on where you are, some of them have golf courses. Yeah, not as many here <laughs> not in Indiana. All of them.
0: <laughs> well, they're big around Noblesville and Carmel and Westfield, and that's what I was asked.
2: Yes, absolutely. So I work a lot with yeah developers who real estate developers who build um, 200 to 500 unit apartment communities, um, and oftentimes there's mixed use facilities within those organi- within those structures. So they may have some uh, retail components. So maybe they have a coffee shop and a nail salon and a fitness facility and a taco place connected to the building. And so they they rent all of those apartments, they manage the operation, uh, and they act as landlords for those commercial tenants as well. Got it,
0: got Mm -hmm. it. And the customer experience that you're focused on is the resident or whom?
2: Well, Dave, going back to that definition of customer, once again, I'm focused on all three customer segments. So it would be, okay. yeah, the end user, which in a multifamily setting would be your, the residents, the people that live in those apartments. Um, it would be your employees. So the people that are working in those facilities and helping them to understand how to, you know, helping, just have, helping their experience be strong. And then also the vendors and contractors that, Um, Those employees are engaging with on a regular basis to help them perform their operations. So in the example of the apartments, you might be talking about um, a company who's maybe painters or cleaners who come in and they help those teams refurbish the apartments after the old or the previous resident moves out and they want to get that apartment back in crisp and clean condition for the new folks. And they have painters and cleaners who come in and sub that work. They sub right. that work out to them. So those people are also customers. Um, and the fact that we're working with them on a really, you know, on a regular basis, they're part of our team. So um, it's funny I, you, that just made me think about a time. This is many, many years ago. Um, when I was actually working on site at an apartment community, I managed two apartment communities and we had a painter there who'd really, um, he'd been working with me for maybe two or three years and I found out it was his birthday. And so I surprised him when he came to do the painting of the units that day. I had big balloons and a cupcake with a, you know, a, a a candle in it and surprised him with that and i was like happy birthday it's a birthday and he it brought him to tears Uh he was so touched by that and said that no one had ever done that for him he couldn't believe that we you know found out it was his birthday and then that we took any action to celebrate it and that's something that really like clicked with me like Cause that's about
0: culture, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're, what we're all about. Let me ask you this. What's your view on leadership and culture? Meaning, how do you help your clients develop leaders who aren't in the title of leader?
2: Mm-hmm. You know I think that varies each company's got their own unique culture cultural dynamics if you will so it's hard to put a um, kind of an umbrella over that to answer your question um, but I, I can let me let me let me approach that question this way if I can sure um, because one of the things that I, I struggled with a lot as I was moving through my professional career was that shift into leadership because I started very, as you can tell, I'm very, yeah, I'm 29 now. Oh, wait, I already told you I was a Gen Xer, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, that's good, that's good.
0: You saw All me right. immediately doing
1: the math.
2: <laughs> Darn it. Okay, forget that. But one of the things that, that I struggled with is because I got into the professional world very young. Right. And oftentimes, I had folks on my team who were older than me, more experienced Mm -hmm. than me. And, um, you know, and also I was a female and many of them were men also. So uh, it was really important that I, it it was hard for me to figure out how to communicate effectively to have the, the necessary influence to impact, right, the overall performance. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit embarrassed about um, some of the early stages of my leadership. <laughs> I think that... Well, that's how you I grow, was,
1: right? That's how you yeah, grow. Who
0: isn't, though? Who
1: isn't?
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, though I was effective, um, I was probably... Not, not probably. I was probably really overbearing, you know, and maybe not so kind, you know, um, all the time. And um, what I... What I learned in that is that, you know, just be, like we, you've, you opened up with talking about, you know, just you can kind of put your thumb on somebody and get them to behave a certain way for a certain period of time. That's not fulfilling them, And, and at some point people episode. are going to get tired of that. They're going to burn out. Right. Um, so what I've learned over um, time is that it's the it is the the leadership piece that's the hardest thing to learn. You know, I've had teams working for me over the years who you maybe I have on site teams where they're working on a in an apartment community, for example, and I have a, a manager who was just promoted and she he or she was an assistant manager before. So she was a, a peer with the rest of the team. And now she's moving into that leadership role where there's a lot more responsibility there. And so often, the biggest concern from them has been, oh, Gabrielle, tell me, you know, I- I'm not sure how to do the budgeting and to prepare the PL. And, mm-hmm. you know, I- those are the things that I'm most right. nervous about learning. And I've had to, every time I've said, listen, that part. I can teach you, no problem. That's not what the biggest challenge is going to be for you. The biggest challenge for you is going to be how is going to be figuring out how to move from being a peer to the leader in that same group where you already have a, a, a relationships. So it's going to be pivoting that that mindset of yours, and and it's it can be really really challenging to do that. So so one thing,
0: so one thing that you're touching on is the difference between a leader and a manager. I'm sorry, leader and a... And a manager. Because managers yeah. are somebody who, based on authority, can dictate tests yeah. and, and hold someone accountable for not achieving those tests. A leader is somebody who inspires somebody to do something above and beyond, above, like to work for you, not just for the paycheck but for their blood, sweat, and tears to buy into the brand, And that's why we call this brandology. It's the study of brands, right? Because there are so many leaders who will micromanage and beat their people into submission, right? Oh, well, I'm the leader. Like if you've ever filed a document in the county court system, you know what managers are. (laughs) But you don't see what a leader is because there isn't one there right? There isn't one within a mile of it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But because there are certain people that have just been given too much authority in our society, and they get off on it. And they're like, well, you didn't do this, and you didn't do this, and I'm going to nitpick this, as opposed to a leader who's like, I can get these people to do 10 times what they're doing. If I show them a path to their own professional development, their personal development, happiness, overall work-life balance, everything else, then they mm-hmm. get the big picture. And if I open up those doors and I go to bat and I sacrifice myself for them, and they know that I'm creating the circle of safety around them, then mm-hmm. they're gonna push, 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 and achieve more than they ever could. But if I'm a manager, I'm gonna be like, you were supposed to make 25 calls today and you only made 24. What's wrong with you? What right. is that? Like, that means you have a different objective than your employee. Yeah. And that's wrong. It's not yeah. only morally wrong and ethically wrong, it's bad for business, right? Mm-hmm. It's good for business if I say, Goal is 25, and I give you the motivation and the support you need. To make 70, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's good for me. It's good for everybody. That's the point, right? Mm -hmm. The point is is to make them want to work for you. And it gets back to things that B'nai Brown and Simon Sinek and several others talk about. People want to do business with people who believe what they believe. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it's all about. Which is a great well, yeah. segue into the next section. And Ooh. that is brand culture trivia. So let's do a little brand culture trivia. And then we're going to get right back into what we were talking about. Is that OK, Gabrielle? Sounds good to me. You go by Gabby or
2: is it Gabby? I go with the, I go with the flow. Hey, you know what? People call me all kinds of things. So, <laughs> um, G, cool. As long as G. it's not derogatory. Right. Um, okay. Fair
1: enough. <laughs> As long as it's done with the right intent.
2: That's Right, right, exactly.
0: That's good. Okay, so we're going to do the intro right now.
1: Ladies and gentlemen...
0: Welcome, everyone, to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does.
1: In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guests. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes.
0: Absolutely. The rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want. And the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game what do you get if you win glad you asked you get 14,684 brandology bucks what is that worth those are absolutely worthless but we might send you a sticker for playing so let's get started with brand culture trivia
1: david why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is
0: all right here i go it is a heavy heavy wheel All right, now we're up for question one. Keep in mind the rules, and that is you can guess as many answers as you want. Just keep guessing. Don't pause. Just keep guessing. Okay. Until you get it right. The first one to get it right gets the point. First one to three points wins all of those Brandology Bucks. And I can't tell you, the convertible Rolls Royce, the Bentleys, all of the stuff that we have on our website, for the winners of those Brandology books, It's very, very exciting. So we're gonna continue on with question one. What brand of candy began using the slogan in the 1990s, taste the rainbow? Lollipop. Starburst. Nope, nope, keep going. Starburst. Hubba Bubba.
2: Lifesavers. Hubba Bubba. Skittles.
0: I just like to Hubba Bubba. Skittles, Skittles, Skittles. skittles. All right, good job. Gabby has one, Ruth has zero. Okay. What founder of Wendy's appeared in the Burger's Chain ads?
1: Can you, what can is you the question using a verb?
0: What founder of Wendy's appeared in the Burger Chain's ads? Who was the Wait. founder of Wendy's? Wendy! Yes, oh, Wendy! It was
1: Wendy, I knew it! No! Wendy's the daughter! Dave, oh. Dave
2: Thomas! Yes! What? Great job. Two oh to my nothing. Gosh. Two I really zero. thought it was the girl with Two the pigtails. That's what Wanda. I was thinking, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. his
0: daughter. Where's the beef? That's his daughter. Where's the beef? Is that Wendy's? I think it was Wendy's, wasn't it? Okay, anyway. But that's not the question. But okay, it's two to zero. Once again, Mark. If you had a thousand times as many points as you have right now, she'd still be beating you. (laughs) Okay. Um. All right, so now we're going to continue on. We're going to look for this. It's my favorite one. Merchandise Seven X. Merchandise Seven X is the secret ingredient in what soft drink? Oh, it's Tab. Tab?
2: Pepsi?
0: Mm. Yeah. No.
2: Coke.
0: <laughs>
1: Diet Pepsi <And she> wins. <laughs> I said Diet Pepsi.
0: Now, see gabby here's the interesting thing is i've asked that question i believe on seven episodes and the genius of mark mosher has yet to <laughs> figure it out or to even write down what the right answer is which is why i keep bringing it up because he still gets it wrong every time so congratulations <laughs> yes, these down. congratulations gabby we are proud Yay. of you you are the proud winner of 14,654 Brandology. Books.
2: Oh, my gosh. What am oh. I going to do with all those you know, What am I going
0: to do with all that? I don't know. Our Brandology staff, Tammy and team, will get to you, and we will arrange the wire transfer of Brandology bucks between us, and now we will get back to our discussion because that was some good, good trip. <laughs> That was definitely good. So let me ask you this, what advice would you have for people that are starting out out of business school right now, or people that are getting out of college right now? What advice do you give somebody who's graduating with something that they're passionate about? Let's say it's marketing, science, biology, history, um, art history, whatever it is. What advice do you give them?
2: I think some advice I would give them is A, um, leverage your network. Make sure that you network some of the relationships that you establish and develop in college will be um, some of those relationships that you will, um, you know, reciprocally, that's a word, reciproc, you'll you'll draw on for years to come. Yes. Um, and I think also take advantage, uh, recognize the opportunity in all of your experiences um, to this point. You know, I started off here, you know, out of high school, in high school, um, waiting tables. And, you know, I learned a lot of really good skills <laughs> in doing that that I didn't recognize at the time, but, you know, how to prioritize, how to multitask, how to, deliver exceptional customer service um, or else not get paid. You know, um, how to be a team player. You know, those were all really good skills that I learned from a a seemingly innocuous kind of job let's say, okay? Um, So I think I would tell people to recognize those opportunities but to develop skills along the way in whatever it is that you're doing. And lastly, I would say um, take what you're doing seriously. But don't take yourself so seriously. You know, have fun, have fun in what you're doing. Not in
0: lieu of results,
2: right? Yeah, Since, not in lieu of this result.
0: podcast. Mark and I cannot possibly take ourselves seriously for what we, do. <laughs> right? I mean, look look at this podcast, right? But it's you're that's great advice, right? Meaning. Take your accomplishments seriously. Take what mm-hmm. your vision is seriously. Take your goals and your vision board and all of the things you're working on very serious. Be passionate about mm-hmm. it. What what initiatives are you working on right now that excite you? Like what, are, what, what things are on the horizon for you?
2: Well, right now I'm working on a couple of things that um, I'm really jazzed about. One of them is a top-down selling technique. So I am uh, continuing to build that out and, and train folks on that because um, 75% of millennials consider it important that, com- that the companies that they do business with give back to uh, society. And um, particularly in the multifamily business right now, uh, that is the largest customer, uh, end-user customer, Segment. So, my technique shows teams how to seamlessly incorporate um, that the communication of the giving back and other relevant information into the sales process. And so, that's really exciting for me to put together and show, you know, frontline sales teams how to deliver that kind of sales presentation more effectively. Right. Um, And then, also, I'm working on, I've been doing a lot, I've got a customer complaint. Um, process which is seemingly uh, you know on the surface it sounds pretty remedial <laughs>
0: how do you handle well, customer, do you complaint? Say customer complaint what do you mean
2: um, this is more of an end-user customer complaint um oh. focus
0: though puts it a ticket for something or a request for something and then they're not there's an issue yeah,
2: something goes wrong people are you know whatever someone has an expectation, that expectation is not met. Mm -hmm. And then when they go to complain about it, um, how do you handle that? And you can either, you know, again, you've got an opportunity right there. You can either handle it and exacerbate an already bad situation, make somebody who's, you know, already unhappy. You can take them from a level like eight, let's say, to like a 12. They'll be really pissed Mm -hmm. off. Or (laughs) you can take that person who's at an eight you can resolve the issue and bring them down to like a more moderate level two. Right. Right. And that's the key. That's really, really important. And with tensions at an all time high right now uh, with COVID, you know, everybody is stressed out. They're stressed out for so many reasons that customer complaints, um, we're seeing those increase pretty significantly. So you really, it's really important that your teams are able to address those complaints effectively. And I've got a really great, Um, presentation for that and process that lays out a roadmap and I've been sharing that across the country at various trade associations and and companies and clients
1: well let me ask you as we wind down as we're coming up against time here um and thank you for sharing you get some really good uh, words there and it's it sounds like your your operation is really comprehensive in what you do and um We'll be sure and keep that in mind going forward as we talk to uh, organizations that may benefit from uh, from your company and your offerings as well. Something I like to ask, and the the listeners always seem to enjoy, is when you were a little girl, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up?
2: Wonder Woman.
1: There we go. <laughs> and you're well on your way to achieving that. Congratulations. Now, life, <laughs> thank you. Life well played. That's very good. <laughs> no, it's interesting because we get so many uh, so many different answers. Some people, you know, it's a uh, cowboy or president, and uh, they're always so different, so I always enjoyed asking that. Yeah. Um, and again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. No worries. We will
0: um, so Wonder we'll be... Woman. So Wonder yeah. Woman is good. We've had that before. Mm-hmm. um that's that's interesting why is that why did you want to be one well she was a badass that's yeah, right <laughs> i mean she that does Wonder not go Wonder without saying and
2: she wore a really cool outfit she had a truth lasso
0: <laughs> she, was she could honest. get people to tell the truth she yeah she wore that outfit well have you mm-hmm. read that book um you are a badass by sinclair what's her name
2: I have not read it completely. I do own it, though.
0: Okay. I mm-hmm. actually saw her speak live at Anderson Bookstore in Naperville, Illinois, and she was amazing. Dropped oh. the F-bomb like 50 times. But Lots of smart laughing.
2: women cuss. That's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. She was awesome. I had my like daughter there with like putting earmuffs over her the whole time. <laughs> she was absolutely. amazing very, very greatness. That's good. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been very, very insightful. Uh, this is good. This is good. Anything that you think that we would want to have asked you that we haven't?
2: No, I don't think so. I, I've enjoyed my time with you guys. It's been just delightful what? being able to kind of chat with you guys and good. share, you know, some coming from similar philosophies in terms of that customer experience and brand yeah. um how important the brand is in that space so i've enjoyed my time with you guys i don't think there's anything that i'm missing out on
0: all right that's great that's really so like you are the winner of uh, fourteen thousand brandology books so we the accounting
1: department will be yes. with you shortly to wire those funds directly to you
0: yes there's a convertible <laughs> bentley convertible rules there's a ton of stuff there so All right, thank you so much, Gabby. We really appreciate it, and uh, this will not be the last time we talk, I'm sure. No. Have a great weekend, and we will talk soon. Thanks, Thanks, guys. You too. Bye. 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 Thank you so much. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post
1: one or two a week. Uh, Unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up.
0: No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, Thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe, turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it.
1: Everyone, thanks for listening.